Sold at 560. 785 the first. 785 the second. Be sure. 785 the third and final time. Sold. The third and final time at 910,000 pounds. Sold. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this uh, current version of the All Prop Chat. This is designed to cover the 23rd of September commercial auction. Uh, my name is George Walker. I'm sitting on the Caledonia Canal in Scotland. My colleagues today are, are Will Clough. I think you're in a pod in the office, Will. At HQ, sitting in a glass box. I'm Ben, who's just moved to Brighton. Yeah, I'm joining you from uh, from the south coast. Moved to Brighton. And how was the move? <laughs> uh, surprisingly smooth. Brilliant. And we got Sabine joining us as well. Um, good tag, Sabine. Good tag. Hello. How is everyone today? Very good, thank you. Now, where are you? You're Having a work from home day? Work from home day, the classic sort of London lifestyle, having a boiler in this morning and not not being fitted till this afternoon, so it had to be an all day. <laughs> uh, the old boiler excuse. Fantastic. She speaks part of the um, support team at All Stops, and we'll give her a chance later to say how she helps everybody um, go through the process closer to auction day. Just to go through what we're going to cover today, um, <laughs> We are, we've had a fantastic auction, £98.5 million, 117 lots sold. We're all clamouring to get the £100 million total, but look, we can't complain. It was a very, very good day, very, very busy. So that's the biggest auction since 2018. We're going to cover it in a number of sections today. Um, will is going to discuss why the auction was so big, who's selling, basically. We didn't cover that in our summer review. Good time to do that now. I'm going to uh, go on a little bit about retail. Um, and then Ben's going to join us um, with some in interesting action on the sea store market. One from Hove, one from Hull, um, and other ones from Bonus and Windermere, etc. Um, I'm going to cover the trade counter section. Um, we always enjoy having trade counters. Chichester this time, Watford, industrial sectors were very busy. And lastly, we're going to touch on the small lots. Um, we always touch on the massively on the, the bigger lots. So Will is going to cover the small lots. So that's what we're taking to. So, First subject of the day, then, Will, why was it such a big auction? Who was selling? Was it was there a big theme or was it just a good spread? Well, I think um, that the the first auction of the autumn or late summer is always the biggest one or traditionally the biggest one in terms of the number of lots and, and subsequently the value that goes with that. Uh, it wasn't that long ago in, in October 2018, George, I remember us selling 247 lots from the rostrum. That was a with day. a hammer and three auctioneers. Yeah. So um, we're not quite at those numbers, but um, in terms of any theme of, of sellers, as ever, it's a huge variety of sellers that uh, come to, to us and, and we offer on behalf of. Just picking out one or two from, from this auction, there were 14 out of the portfolio of boots that we've been trading throughout this year, yeah. which, George, you've been running. How many is that in total for the year? It's about 75, I think, we've, we've done so far. Yeah, yeah, and, and more to come, we hope. Uh, there's two dozen or so from an ongoing portfolio sale. You'd have noticed the six M&Cos we had that were right across the country and Spalding down to Newquay. Yeah, that was that was actually for the tenants, so I'll cover those later in the retail section, but they all went quite well, didn't they? They, they all went very well, um, and... Uh, better than we'd expected better than we'd priced originally so it's always really encouraging to see that enthusiasm from bidders we had three or four fund managers selling for a variety of different reasons and with a variety of different strategies now we some had. of those i think were kind of first timers weren't they so Threadneedle, for example we've been 
selling for a long time. They've been sort of rebalancing what they hold. Um, there are one or two others that we won't name per se, but one was a backstop approach where it was out, put out privately with our uh, national investment team. And then so the sorry, just slow, slow down a second before we gloss over that. So backstop is kind of recognised now, isn't it? You, you put it out that private treaty and then give it the deadline treatment in the auction. Exactly. And some refer to it as the hybrid approach. Uh, it's something yeah. unique that I think Allsop can offer is you give it a bit more airing through the private treaty market. And, and in this instance, uh, the, the auction deadline encouraged that buyer to, to perform in the exchange just the evening before the auction. Uh, so, I mean, interestingly, the next auction, you'll see an example of King Street South Shields, which is already out in the market, which is coming to us. And there'll be others too spinning their way around the market good um other other big names what um a private vendor for the northeast that's so, the first time for them wasn't it so so dougie um newly promoted dougie um was dougie acting guild who's now an associate <laughs> for, uh, for a prop co from the northeast and and as you say it was the first time i think that they put their toe in the auction world as sellers um we sold four lots for them uh they're just looking to realize some cash and deploy it elsewhere but a successful auction stint for them and, and hopefully there'll be so an quite a big lot there. nearly three million pounds of retail park in Blythe wasn't it so that's one of those it, it certainly was and then uh, finally the, the funeral partners of sale and leasebacks which Gregor was dealing with so real variety of sellers mixed in that our, our standard privates and private prop codes as well okay so Sabine all these um, sellers require a lot of handling what's the bulk of the thing that you deal with how, how, just let us know you know how many in your team and, and what's the bulk of the calls you take so we've got the three team assistants in our auctions team at the moment. So we pick up the phones and help struggling uh, potential buyers. So that, was, hang on, that was Charlotte who we met last time. Yep. So Charlotte, very good friend of mine and great colleague who, who was on the chat uh, last week. Uh, so we all, we all help potential buyers on the phones, just give them a little helping hand if they can't understand the website a little bit. Um, but what I'm really finding at the moment is that while I'm on the phone talking to these people, I end up chatting a lot more than usual. And then in that respect, you build a rapport with somebody and then they know your name. So every time they register, they go, oh, can I talk to Sabine? She really helped me out the last time. So can she do it again with me? <laughs> Sabine, the idea is to help people get it. They don't need to talk to you, but I bet they just keep chatting. Oh, they just love a good conversation, don't they? <laughs> And come on, give us a highlight from this auction. I think um, everybody in the team has one favourite sort of moment. What was yours this time? So I had a lovely gentleman who was a friend of uh, Mark Gower, one of the executive partners in our team. Um, he called up and said, oh, I need some help registering. Please, can you help me? This this gentleman, bless him, was very challenged in the technical area. So I thought I'd just help him along over the phone. And after that, he then proceeded to email my boss saying that I should get a hefty pay rise because I helped him out. Hey, that wasn't part of the script, all right? That's <laughs> not fair. <laughs> Didn't know that. Did yes, he really? That's fantastic. And have you, have you received the pay rise? <laughs> I'm afraid Mark is sitting on a beach in Spain at the moment, so we can't. I can't get authorization for that. So between the three of us, we got that wasn't fair anyway. Did he uh, really do that? That's amazing. Well done. Yeah, no, he did. And then actually, he ended up buying a lot in the auction, I think, one of the lots in Leeds. So all that hard work paid off. Brilliant. All positive stuff. So as always, um, the auction was dominated by retailers, over 80% retail. Um, you know, two or three years ago, we thought, oh, my goodness, that's all we do. Um, the market's, you know, on its knees. What are we going to do? Actually, it's been very effective. And with this extraordinary range of retail we've offered, um, buyers, we keep mentioning buyers are looking for value or security. Um, if you look at the M&Cos, um, 
there, there was an interesting portfolio. There was half a dozen of them. None of these were talents to write home about. I mean, you're talking new key to Spalding. Um, so nothing great. But what they did, they've, they've just given one year security on the leases. So in that means they've also got brand new rents. So the rents have been rebased. And I think that comes through in the, some of the demands. So if you, you looked at the one in um, Spalding, for example, the rent was really brought back. Um, £45,000 a year, just a year security. And that went for double the guy price. Now, yes, in this case, we probably got it wrong. But you don't think Spalding is on many investors' lists. Um, a year's security is just not enough in most people's eyes. But 10,500 feet, put in the book at £25 a foot, actually made £48 a foot. So just 520000 So of the the totals we were anticipating on guides of a couple of million pounds, the market was at 2.6 overall for those six, which is quite interesting. The other end of the spectrum, you know, the boots do give people security. It's a very familiar brand name, like Woolworths used to be. People love the boots, special reasons for buying boots, a pharmacy approach, the building is licensed. It's not just planning consent. There's lots of reasons for buying them. And we've talked about that in other auctions. This time we had 14 lots. The mix was tremendous. We had some three-year leases or three-year breaks, and then some longer leases. The probably star of the show was the Saffron Walden building, uh, lot 43. It wasn't mixed use. It was all sing, single let to boots. Nice long letty, 2029. Interestingly, we sold the shops next door in the parade behind it in the last auction, which is quite a big lot. That was six and a half percent. So we were thinking that's, you know, we'll get six, six and a half for this. Actually, the market was really strong. Four bidders there, 5.6 percent overall. That's, you know, that's a big price for a market town. Um, but it reflects the scarcity of these long leases 2029 uh, and people just trust the brand and the average on that portfolio of the one sold was just above six percent and this one came out at 5.6 so that's a couple of the retails clearly there's a lot of retail there um, and that's two extremes there's a lot more to go on about but let's not dwell too much but staying really within the retail sector um, ben you're going to cover the c stores for us yeah convenience stores um a few, we had a few convenience stores in the auction uh, in September. We all know and love convenience stores, and our market seems to adore them as well. Um, just looking, going straight into it, you mentioned in your examples there, George, you had some short income and buyers were still buying it. In fact, it went double the guide. But well, we saw a similar theme with some convenience stores. Uh, in Hull, we had a Sainsbury's. It was lot 18. Um, this was also very short income. It wasn't a pretty building. Uh, it was... 2025 expiry so you had just over three years to go and, and that, um, the, the guide price there was pretty modest wasn't it i mean I, pe- yes, people don't it was a whole we guiding 700 we're guiding 750 to 800,000, and it sold yeah. for just over a million it sold for 1 million and 34 there were there were there were um rpi linked reviews uh within there but buyers didn't seem to be put off at all by the 2025 expiry which if you look yeah. at it is probably it's actually quite short so that, that it is. That's that a good doesn't, story. It doesn't give the security does it, that buyers want for this. So 5.4% is quite a southeasty type of yield. But if you step back from that also, I think it was part of a sort of neighbourhood shopping precinct or parade. It had 28 car parking spaces. So it was suburban. It was more of a destination location. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And interestingly, as, as a listener, we'd really love your view here. Um, these short leases and particularly break clauses and how are you factoring those in? Because we're seeing, you know, we're, we call it bidding through the break, which is a bit of an old sophism. But you know, in some cases, and there's others that battle cover, 
um, bidding through the break, how are you pricing those early breaks? And does it vary per sector? We think it does, but we'd like your views. So podcasts at allsop.co.uk um, for those. Ben, what other C stores were there? Well, if we just stick to the short income theme for a moment, <clears throat> lot 58 in Leeds, that was a Tesco. So it was actually a one stop on the lease, just trading as the Tesco's. Uh, we saw some huge demand for this. You only had one and a half years to the break. So you talk about bidding through the break. Um, it was actually bought by the tenant. So one and a half yeah. years to the break, it was bought by the tenant. It sold for £876,000. But a dozen five, or something? I mean, it's yeah, nuts, it? so that's 5.4%. Five, 5. We had yeah. a, we had over a dozen bidders. We actually had over twenty bidders. Did you? Um, okay. But what you've got to remember is, yes, the tenant bought it, but to get to that price, an underbidder had to be present. So we yeah. are seeing yeah. a lot of buyers look beyond that break because that was one and a half years' income, as I say. And, and I think actually three other tenants, the three bidders from bidding, three tenants bidding under. Which is nice were. to see, you know, showing. Tenants. Showing faith in the, in, the, in the bricks and mortar, which is good. And, Ben, what about your local cooperative? You've got My to local co-op, it. yeah, Lot 87 <laughs> in Hove. Uh, right, so this is, um, this is a bit of a different beast because it, had, it was a ground floor. It was virtual freehold. It was ground floor. Um, but actually, it was city centre Hove, just next to the sea. Hove is, a, Hove is a town, you know, part of the city of Brighton and Hove. Um, it's a very much a growth area. Area. There are loads of building sites, loads of flats going up, um, and actually, and loads of other people moving there. Ben, judging by the other, of, lack of availability of removals yeah. wagons. Well, funnily enough, since I've moved here, it's actually turned out to be, become the most popular place in Britain to live. Who knew? But um, <laughs> when I when I when I spoke to my removal men last Friday, they said they'd done five jobs that week, and all of them were coming from London to Brighton and hove sure. but th- this convenience store it's interlinked really because it's a co-op co-op are on delivery they're on get here uh you know you see these these guys on scooters running all the way around sort of brighton and hove just like in london so it's, and it's a new build isn't it yeah it's a new build but it's not just going to benefit from the passing trade or the local chimney pots it's also going to benefit from this you know this this immediate delivery services which uh, is taking yeah. the world by storm so it, it, it's well placed Anyway, that, what did that achieve? It was virtual freehold. It got 4.75% and you had nine years to a break. It was a 2030 tenant break. And, and to be fair, we didn't, you know, that, that's a big price, but it's southeasty. And as you say, Hove is growing and, and all those new flats and people like you turning up, it's just going to bring more business and allow the tenants to be able to pay, pay more rent. And that's what the buyer, buyer bought it. Absolutely. And so, George, if we move from convenience stores, perhaps more to the uh, industrial and trade countery world. Yeah, I mean, the market loves a trade counter. We were lucky enough to have um, an instruction of a juice and actually in Chichester in the auction. And it sort of is two lots, actually, uh, and raised quite a specter of how the investor would cope, the private investor would cope with leaseholds. They don't really um, like taking on a leasehold asset. And these two lots were held by different parties. They were connected. But... Both were leasehold, subservient ultimately to a freehold, which is owned by the council. Um, so these two assets on their own, nice little juicens, um, decent letting uh, and really quite, quite appealing. But Demon Doug, actually, Doug Gill was on these and he's a great chatter, a bit like Sabine. Um, and there was one particular buyer who felt if they bought both, they could lose one of those leasehold interests and make the asset 
a great deal more palatable for them. Ultimately, that's what happened. It sold at £5 million as one lot, at 6% dead for nice institutions. It becomes a much more simple leasehold result, but uh, is it leasehold interest? That was where Doug, you know, again, it's not all about always just going under the hammer. Do talk to us because sometimes there's deals to be done where you've got a special interest or you think you can pull these together. Uh, and it took a lot of effort to get it done beforehand, but good old auction contract came into play, £5 million the day before the auction. Um, the other example, Will, I think was interesting was, you know, Watford, good old M25 location for a, an industrial. On the face of it, um, not that sparkling at £97 a foot, but actually it was lot 29, it's 12,000 feet only half of that was ground floor space. And my few previous life as a shed shifter, what you really do value is the ground floor. You don't value the mezzanine. So it's £174 a foot overall, 4.7% for a warehouse. Now, that's something we haven't seen for some time. Uh, the market is very key in the sector. And as, as we already know, we're not often lucky enough to have these sales, but tremendous price. And I think there's a tremendous depth in the market. That's sort of 300 grand above the initial guide price. So nice example, better than 5% for a shed. Um, uh, and that's always good to see. So, um, well, there's some of the bigger lots. I think you were going to cover some of the smaller lots. How many? How many yeah. were there up to sort of half a million pounds? I think before I do so, I need to put another fifty p in the meter for the air conditioning in this booth. It's turning rapidly <laughs> into a sauna. But um, in terms of the smaller lots, as George said at the start, we often talk about the bigger ones, but the smaller ones are as important to us, and they make up a huge part of the catalogue. We had sixty-one lots that sold for £500,000 or less, the, the, the lowest of those being 75000 And again, a full spectrum of lots on, on offer. I'll just pick out two of them. One was a lot 139 in Aylesbury. It was a, a shop on the high That's street. That's a cracky town. Can I just say, I'm you know, on well, today. That's where I learned every Friday, I used to go from grammar school to the auction market to um, to see the cars being sold. <laughs> Every Friday lunchtime, religiously. My mates thought I was mad. Perhaps I am. Anyway, sorry, Will. That's, that's why me. you speak so quickly. <laughs> so that was uh, 10 years uh, with a five-year break. RPI review in the fifth year, if they don't break, it was a very affordable rent. It was about 4,000 feet over ground and first. Uh, so again, as we talked about in the summer review, potentially there's that element of underutilised uppers, maybe some alternative use value in the future. Fifteen registered it was just bid- a little shop, really, wasn't it, when they didn't use upstairs? Yeah. Exactly. 15 registered bidders for that one. And and the market probably saw this as well, 5.7% for, for wow. five-year income in Aylesbury. £115 a foot, though, so not expensive on a capital rate. At the other end if you, of the country, If you can get release the value in the upstairs. Correct. Yeah. And the other end of the country, bonus on Windermere. So we're just... Just south I've just of gone past there. that. <laughs> <laughs> Very slowly conserving your fuel. Um, yes, indeed. This was three ground floor shops, two of which were vacant. It was a long leasehold interest, ground floor only. Planning had been submitted for the conversion to three flats, but the response hadn't been received yet. So this is all still speculative. So this is one where we you were offering effectively three vacant shops, but it was they were shit. They were commercial. They weren't residential, were they? They were commercial in use. Yeah. They were priced as commercial because planning had not been granted. Yeah. That explains why it went for three times what its commercial vacant possession value is, because people, I think, see the future values there in, in residential, be they use it for Airbnbs yeah. or AST. It's a staycation. It's also the, the, interesting, probably... the interesting one about that, about that particular unit as well, though, it was leasehold. So you needed to have freeholder consent to actually convert it. 
to change yeah. its use, yeah. you don't only need planning, you need freedom to hold the consent. Which so it's just yeah. adding to a, a little bit of planning risk there, isn't it? Yeah. But interesting, well, you know, we've, in the, it's a smaller lot, 300,000 is quite very affordable. A lot of people would have made a lot of money out of the staycations, really believe in that market. Uh, and the Airbnb concept, you know, it, it, it's just a different way of investing, sort of alternative use, alternative investments, isn't it? Um, and there were 20, 23 people lined up to bid for that one on the day. Well, really? Gosh. So the small wow. lots, as we said, the small lots often generate the most competition. Yep. We still sold 34 lots above a million, and uh, that's, you know, either end of the spectrum. It was an average lot size 1.6 on the bigger lots, but, you know, 61 lots up to half a million. It was a tremendous spread, was it, auction? And I think, you know, we've all, um, a lot of us are going away as a result before we build the next one, um, which comes up in early November. The next podcast we will be doing, um, hopefully a joint venture with the Leeds office um, who are in the residential sector, describing how they work so well with the London office. Or it might be a valuation special from Andrew Hoban. Wait and see. Please do get back to us with your comments on the break clauses, if you do treat break clauses differently according to different sectors or early or short leases, because the market is bidding beyond the break in quite a lot of examples we've covered today. So that's podcasts at allsop.co.uk. Thank you very much for your time this afternoon or this morning, whenever you're listening. My name is George Walker, Allsops. And Ben, thank you very much for coming in from Brighton and getting rid of those boxes. How many pictures have you hung today? Uh, 50 to 100. I mean, so many pictures. I seem to, uh, it's a two day job. <laughs> That's a lot of pictures. And Cluffy, you're, you're still surviving the booze. I'm, I'm still here, as ever. Good to speak to you both. And meanwhile, Sabine, great having you because it just, with the registration process, it, it can look daunting, but actually it's not. I think the, the, answer that i keep hearing everyone give is that if you look back at this email look at the website it's there isn't it yeah it's nice to have a friendly voice guide on the website which people should read but obviously we're always here to lend a helping hand over the phone as well brilliant sabine thank you so much for joining us today um and i hope you get your boiler fixed Um, (laughs) thanks so much